Welcome to Game On, the weekly football podcast bringing together seasoned professionals, the male star football writers and a celebrity fan or two. I'm your host, Mark Pugach. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Game On on video. Hello, I'm Mark Pugac. Welcome to Game On. So fans will be allowed back into stadiums as from next week. Obviously, the numbers will be capped, but at least it's a start. And joining us to discuss this, Danny Simpson, who won the title with Leicester, Chris Sutton, who played for Chelsea, Celtic and Norwich, and Sammy Mockbell, the Daily Mail's chief football writer. Hello, everybody. Great to see you all. Danny, thank you for joining us. And Sammy, great to have you with us as well. Chris is a regular, which is great. Let's talk about fans then. Some fans will be allowed back in. The Arsenal game on Thursday night in the Europa League will be the first one. And then West Ham, Manchester United, the first Premier League game. Obviously a big limit on them. Depends which tier you're in. Somewhere between 2,000 and 4,000 fans. Danny, does this give anybody an advantage the home team some sort of advantage there'll be a few fans in at least listen I know we all want the fans back in there um it's you know it's, it's what it's what people need um but there's just a tear situation and 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 the number of fans that you can get I, I don't understand how they're working out the numbers and why it's 2000 and yeah Chris I mean it, it, it the argument against it is well it's unfair that some Clubs will have their fans backing and some won't because those latter clubs are in the wrong tier. But we've got to start somewhere, haven't we? I mean, we, we're desperate yeah. to get fans back in. I don't, not sure how much longer people can watch football without fans. No, agreed. I'm just glad to see that, you know, some fans can get back into stadiums. And of course, you know, it's sad for the clubs who where, where that's not possible because of the tier which they're in, as Danny said. But, you know, talking about, uh, you know, we've seen... Uh, you know, people moaning about this and uh, about fairness. Well, you know, this this could lead us into all sorts of arguments, couldn't it? Is it fair that Manchester City can can outspend the likes of Burnley by millions upon millions upon millions of pounds? Is it fair that clubs at the top get greater revenue than the clubs at the bottom? It's not a level playing field. I look at it this way. I'm just pleased to see fans get back in. And I think if we're looking across the board, if you know, I think everybody would, would feel the same way. Some clubs, clearly, that's not going to be possible at. But, you know, if, if we flip that and, so, and, and someone from Tier 3 was in Tier 2 and they had the possibility of getting fans in, they wouldn't be moaning, would they? Because no, otherwise, Sammy, the other response to it is we have no fans at all until everybody's in the same boat, which means that, now that we have the possibility to get some fans in, we're not allowing ourselves to do that because we feel it's unfair. What's your reading of it? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat as Chris, to be honest. I think um, it's, it's having banged the drum for so long to get fans back into the stadiums. Um, if we were to turn that opportunity down at the first opportunity, then I'd, I, I, for starters, I think it would look like a massive PR PR disaster because essentially you, you're not letting the fans in. You know the, the argument is is integrity issues as, as we mentioned, and the other issue is it's, it will obviously be costing the clubs money because the the, the, the amount of fans they're letting into the clubs um, won't be enough to cover the cost of the games. 
But as Chris says, we've got to start somewhere. Danny, Mark, can this? I ask you? Yeah, Mark, yeah, can yeah. I? Well, I, I've not looked at the tier map, so do do we know which you know which clubs we're, we're talking about who can't have fans in? I've not I've not actually looked at that this morning. Yeah, it's so it's um, so Liverpool, London can right. have Liverpool, and London can have uh, have fans in. Uh, Brighton and Southampton can have fans in. Yeah, mm. and that's pretty much it. So, yeah. So, 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 Man- so the Manchester clubs can't have fans in. No. <laughs> imagine, no. Uh, come on! Imagine Manchester City and Manchester United with the finances they have, moaning about other clubs and talking about disadvantages. I mean, I mean it's, that, it's it's nah. it's north against the south, except Liverpool on this occasion is with the south. I also do think as well. I think when stadiums are full, I think it'll take a, a little bit of getting used to the fans being back in as well. Yeah, because um, it's been so long. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, it'll be getting back to you know having the fans there and the atmosphere, which is what uh, you know what we all need and we all want. But yeah, playing was just was was just strange, and like I said it's. Feels a bit of a practice game, and it's it's it doesn't seem as less of an advantage because of the no fans. Yeah, Daddy, you'll be saying, "Oh, I forgot people said that to me when I took a throw in." Yeah, it was fine. No, no, I'm really pleased you're back, fans. It's great. (laughs) 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 Well, listen, we're we're desperate for some sort of normality in society and in football, and I think we'd all agree this is a start. It's not perfect, but how can it be perfect in such an imperfect world? Uh, Let's talk about a really serious situation, which Chris has spoken a lot about here and on other outlets as well and has spoken very emotionally in an extremely erudite fashion about, which is dementia and the PFA's role in this. Gordon Taylor, the chief executive, saying he will stand down at the end of the season, two years after first announcing his intention to do so. Chris, what's your reaction, first of all, to that news that Gordon Taylor will stand down? But he said he'd stand down, I think, uh, over a year ago, didn't he? I mean, he's, he's threatened this a few times. It does look like it's going to happen. Uh, you know, he'll bank another tidy million pounds from now up until May. And uh, look, in many respects, good riddance to him because his legacy, in my opinion, will be the dementia scandal. And, you know, I can't sit here and honestly say he hasn't done good things with the PFA because he has. But the bottom line is, is this dementia scandal has been on his watch and it's not been on his watch for a couple of months. It's been on his watch for over 20 years. At this moment in time, it looks like because of the mail campaign that we are we are building momentum uh, daily. There are more and more families who are who are contacting myself and Dawn Astle and the mail and coming forward. And it's a situation where it's. The, you know, the, the 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 testing was done by Willie Stewart, and we saw that you're, you're three and a half times more likely if you played football to get neurodegenerative diseases. And now we are seeing uh, more and more people come out. And don't know whether you you know read the mail this morning and the PFA talking about they've done everything which they can to to care for families. I mean, there are some horror stories in there this morning. Uh, the families of Tommy Carroll. Graham Barnett and John uh, Hasselden have come out and, and, and told their stories about when they've contacted the PFA. It's fallen on deaf ears. And this, this is a, a situation which needs sorting out now. We've, you know, we've heard that the PFA are setting up a task force. This was over, I think, nine or, nine or ten days ago. How long does it take to set up a task force? 
These families are out there at this moment in time and they aren't getting any help. And we're not, we're not, we've not asked through the uh, charter for the world with this. We're just, we've just asked for a little bit of help for these families. And that hasn't happened. What needs to happen at the PFA is it's not just Gordon Taylor who needs to go. It's his cronies who have who have supported him for however many years because they are complicit in all of this. So, life. Chris, do you feel that if his replacement is somebody already within the system, are you saying that will make no difference to this dementia debate and how it goes forward, that they need somebody completely fresh from outside? Um Actions speak louder than words. And, and th- this is the whole point. So, so show us, PFA, what you're going to do. I think that the fact that the old guard need to go with Gordon Taylor because they're, I don't want to say they're all in it together, but, you know, you know they have been. I think he used the word that when, they, when the, uh, the, the, the changing of the mantle, uh, when there's this new structure, will be the gold standard. And... I mean, I don't know whether he's referring to his tenure in charge as the gold standard as well, but tell that to the families of, uh, you know, people who are suffering with dementia. Honestly, Mark, there are more and more families every day coming out. We'll see stories over the weekend and we'll see stories next week of high profile players. I don't know whether you saw the story of uh, Kevin Moore, a player I think I played against Kevin Moore and sort of 48 years old went for a family picnic and he didn't know how to sit down. And you think, come on, you know, come on, we need to do something about this. Gary Pallister, a high pro, really high profile household name. Everybody knows him. Left his car, forgot that he'd actually driven his car to a village. He's not old. This is, this is our generation, my generation of players. And I think there's this, there's this perception that it's all about older players. Dementia is an old, um, an old people's disease. It's because of the heavy leather balls. That's, you know, that's a, that's a misconception. People saying this, and I think Willie Stewart has, you know, has, has, has damned these theories for a long time. So all we're saying with this reduction of banning in training uh, for senior players and junior players when they're going through their teenage, teenage years is reduce the risk. Just lower the load, reduce the load, and uh, and I th- I think it will make a difference. Danny, you're in the game at the moment. Is this a conversation that you and your teammates are beginning to have with the males campaign? Chris talks about it on the radio a lot and on the television. It, it's now it's always been in the public domain, but it's talked about regularly now. How much are you talking yeah, about this in the dressing room? Players are talking about it, um, and obviously, just, just obviously, if we can keep the conversation going, which obviously Chris Chris is doing, and um, you know, then we can because, like I said, you know, I read a piece that Chris did as well about you know, maybe you know heading you know restricting it to every forty-eight hours. Now, for me, when I, when I look at training, that that that's easily done. I can't see anybody having a problem with restricting how many times you head a ball in, in in training. Obviously, in a game is a game, but especially in training, it's not. It's, it shouldn't be. In, it should be okay. Well, it's Chelsea Tottenham in the Premier League this Sunday. So that's Frank Lampard against Jose Mourinho. Tottenham atop. Of course, that's pupil against teacher. Here's Martin Keown talking tactics. There's so much on it. Um, if you think back to just a few years ago when Leicester won the league and Chelsea pretty well put paid to any chance of Spurs winning it that year, there seemed to be a big rivalry. We've got most of the same players that are still around now. 
between the two teams. We've got the two managers um, who are fiercely uh, competitive and now have become quite big rivals. And I, I don't get the feeling that Frank Lampard feels that he's in any way the, the pupil. Um, there have already been some bickering between the two of them when they were knocked out of the uh, League Cup earlier in the season. Chelsea game went to penalties, nothing to choose between the two teams. And I expect something similar this weekend. I don't think Chelsea will want to lose this game. I don't think Frank would want to be unpicked tactically. Uh, it just feels like maybe Chelsea are going to be mostly in possession and we're going to see a Tottenham team that will try to press high if they can, but mostly will sit probably quite deep as they've been doing. And we've seen the sort of rapid breakaways that they have uh, with the pace of Son and Harry Kane finding those incredible balls. Uh, is it Bergwijn going to play? Lucas Moura might be the, the other one that plays. Even Gareth Bale might be someone that comes in. So there's lots of options for Tottenham. I just feel that they've become more streetwise with Hoiberg in that midfield, Sissoko uh, alongside him, Dyer now playing central defence. It seems that Mourinho is really managing the team. He wants results-based players. He's, he's teaching them ways to win games and get results. So I find it hard to believe that Spurs won't get something out of the game. And I, and I think that Mourinho particularly, I mean, when he was at Manchester United, and you think of the strikers he had there, Rashford, Martial, Lukaku, he's never happy, but he's happy now because he knows he's got someone he can rely upon because he, he doesn't miss Harry Kane. And, and what he does as well is his work rate, he's playing very deep, he's making tackles in his own box, he's finding incredible passes, his vision's uh, outstanding. And he's the sort of person in the team that's the, the man in the team, I suppose. This is a really good Chelsea team. You know, Thiago Silva now coming back into that back line. He looks, he's really classy player. And he's the sort of heartbeat of the team. It's interesting that they'll keep the ball at the back and then he'll punch it into midfield as if to say, right, we're playing now, guys. And, you know, in wide positions, you can see the patterns and the shapes emerging. It was a bit disjointed at the beginning, a bit of a jigsaw puddle, but Frank's now put those pieces together beautifully. Mason Mount uh, playing mostly on the left of a midfield three. I think Conte is going to have to play the deep player. It can't be Jorginho in a game of this size. You need to have him, Conte, sitting deep in case they do lose the ball and things break down because they play very well in wide positions. Werner, you might have thought was going to be the lead striker, but he plays out wide. Abraham's been uh, playing exceptionally well and, and Werner will join him very quickly. Hudson-Odoi did that the other night. Uh, Ziyech will probably be playing, being magnificent as well. So it's, can Spurs deal with the wide players and the way that they now play Chelsea because they are in really good form. So massive game this weekend, Chelsea against Tottenham, which is always very spicy, Danny, even more so because obviously the Mourinho links and you've got Frank Lampard, who obviously had a great career under Mourinho at Chelsea. How do you see this one going on Sunday? Um, I, I think, for me, I think um, obviously we know how well Mourinho is doing um, at the moment with, with Tottenham. And um, I wouldn't say that he's, he's surprised people. Um, but I think we, you know, over the last couple of years, I think we, we've got used to him not winning. <laughs> and obviously, you know, I know he's not, he's, he's, not, he's not won anything yet, but I just like what Frank's doing at, at Chelsea at the moment. And I think the players that he's brought in um, uh, and the squad that he's got available to him. Like, listen, I know Tottenham got a, a very good squad, but I think if 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 you look at the two, um, I think if um, Chelsea lose a player, 
I don't think it would affect them that much. I think if Tottenham lose Harry Kane, then you know they're they're a different team. Um, so I think for me, I think this weekend I think Chelsea at home. I think uh, for me it's a, a Chelsea win. I like listen. I like the way I like the way they're both playing at the moment. But I think Chelsea. Um, are, are really flying at the moment. Um, obviously, I know Chilwell well. I think the two fullbacks are, are, are absolutely, you know, they've been for me the, the two best fullbacks this season. Um, for me, I know Ben Chilwell. He's 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 he stepped up his game, um, especially in the attacking third. I think he got criticised for that a lot at Leicester. Um, obviously, they've sorted out the goalkeeping issue. Um, but yeah, for me, like I said before, I think I think Chelsea. Uh, we'll, we'll take this one, even though we're, it's it's against um, the Mourinho. What a shame, Sammy, no fans, because the atmosphere would be absolutely... Can you imagine Mourinho walking down the touchline at Stamford Bridge with a Tottenham cockerel on his on his lapel? <laughs> uh, two two teams in really good form. I mean, I think I think um, Danny's right, isn't he? Chelsea have the better squad. Well, sorry, Chelsea have the deeper squad. But mm. the game itself, what do you think? I, I think it's 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 on a knife edge, you know. I've, I've seen a lot of Chelsea and I've seen a lot of Tottenham this season, and um, as you'd expect with any Mourinho side, Tottenham are really well organised, and in and in Harry Kane, who's obviously in the form form of his life at the moment, you know, I can't think of a better centre forward in European football right now. He's creating goals, scoring goals, sort of goal saving blocks in in in, in his own area. Uh, he's in the form of his life, and and uh, his 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 partnership with with Hyung Min Son um, essentially means that that Tottenham, as long as they can stay in the game at the back, are at the races at every single football match that they play, and they've got an opportunity to win every match that they play. Uh, I think we saw a defensive masterclass last week against Manchester City when they won that game two nil. Uh, you know, last ditch tackles, blocks, all over the place, and I think. Mourinho will probably deploy a similar, a similar tactic going into this game. Try and quell and, and stifle Chelsea, excuse me, as much as they can, and then rely on on the likes of Kane and Son to to to, to nick a goal or two up at the other end. I'm with Danny. I, I I can see I can see Chelsea nicking this one, but you know, I think it will be tight. Danny Leicester, your old club. I mean, they were disappointing at Anfield. I'm sure you would share that disappointment that having played so well, they didn't really show up. But they've got a really good deep squad as well, haven't they? What What would you anticipate from Leicester in this topsy-turvy, unpredictable season? Um, yeah, they've, they've got a, a very good squad. And again, I talk about the the, top, uh, the Harry uh, Tottenham and the Harry Kane situation. You no, know, Leicester have got a very, very good squad. And you've got Ndidi to come back, Sayunku, uh, Castagna. Um, you know, and but I think you lose Jamie Vardy, and they're not the same team. Um, listen, you know it's Madison. You know I think he's he's, he's fantastic in what he does. Um, you know he's getting back to full form now, full fitness. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, listen, Leicester are, are always uh, going to be up there, and uh, in in every game that they play that they play in. But I just think that this, the key will, will still be. Keep Jamie Vardy fit. Um, yeah, we know he's he's thirty three, going on thirty four. He doesn't look like he's changed a bit, but um, still as fit as a fiddle. But like I said, it's still got the same still got the same diet, Danny. Apparently, he just runs it off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> burns Honestly, it off. Yeah, I don't know how he does it. Um, 
but yeah, he's he's just like I said, he, you keep him fit and and, and they've always got a chance. You, you look at every team that plays against Leicester, as soon as it, you know, if Vardy's been rested, as soon as he comes on, the game changes. You know, the defense, you know, they you know, the straight away the whole team looks like a different team who they're playing against, and the defense is scared. Sammy, uh, kickoff times, Jurgen Klopp really irate. And uh, Jeff Shreves on Sky very fairly said, well, you all signed up to these kickoff times. And Jurgen Klopp came back and went, we signed up to them pre-COVID. It's a different environment now. Does, uh, does Jurgen Klopp have a point here? I mean, I'm always slightly, you know, television companies pay these clubs millions and millions and millions of pounds. So uh, not just because I work in television, so does Chris. I always slightly recall when I hear clubs complaining about kickoff times and thinking, well, who, you know, who's paid the piper here? Oh, I, I I couldn't agree more. Um, as you say, you, you, you've signed up, you, you know, you're getting paid millions and millions of pounds. Um, so you fulfil you fulfil your obligations. Of course you should. Listen, Jurgen Klopp is is well within his, within his rights to, to, to have a public moan up. Okay, fine, you can do that. But it, it does not change the fact that you are, you're, well, your club, sorry, are remunerated fantastically well for for okay putting your body through the mill and then yes there is an extra strain on players for sure at the moment um but i think in a season that will level itself out um you know each club and each team will have their fair share of saturday 12:30 kickoffs or or, or or no or friday night kickoffs um i think just at the moment because liverpool have got are in the midst of a of a of a sort of a debilitating uh, injury crisis that it's 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 affecting them more and obviously Jurgen Klopp is publicly trying to defend his defend his squad and do everything he can just to get at least maybe a little bit of help but um, yes as you say at, at at the end of the day at the start of the season you sign up and you and you and you and you fulfil your obligations and and let's not forget that. When kickoff times are discussed and when they are agreed, the, the, the clubs are fully involved in that situation, and then they and they and they sign up and they agree. So, when you know, once your club agrees to a Saturday afternoon twelve thirty kickoff, then you know, sorry, I'm not sure you've necessarily got a leg to stand on. So let's finish with Maradona. I'm aware that Chris and I are the oldies here, so we'll remember lots about Maradona. Danny, as a player. When Diego Maradona, what is what does the name mean to you? First, first name is he was obviously a genius, um, and, and what, what what he could do with a ball. It was it was funny because I had to, you know, the other day, um, you know, you just go and you find yourself on Twitter and you're looking at old videos and there's a lot of stuff that I hadn't seen. Um, obviously, um, you see Maradona and the stuff off the pitch and um, and. You know, I, I, you know, we, in 1986, you know, against England, I wasn't even born. So I, was I thought we were coming right. to that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's, you know, and that goal he scored, obviously getting a ball from, from his own half. Um, it, you know, it was just it was an amazing goal. Um, so, yeah, I had to look at some some stuff online and some videos of him. But, um, yeah, obviously, from from what I've heard of him, and you know, he's supposed to be a, a special human being as well, not just a, a genius with a football. I think I think Sammy, and I'll finish with Chris. Uh, I think Sammy, for me, 
Uh, I mean, thank you, Danny. 1986, I was doing my A-levels. So I remember <laughs> lots of marathon. For me, oh, for look me, at you, A-levels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you got chucked out of 14, didn't you? For me, for me, his failings and his weaknesses are part of what makes him the genius he is. He was the, listen, you can't libel the dead, but he was the street urchin, wasn't he? And the, and the hand of God and everything, that all, it's made, and I've seen a few people go, oh, it was, you know, a few obituaries, oh, well, he was a cheat and a liar and this, and it detracted from his ability. No, he didn't. It's the whole point. It's part of the whole package of the absolute utter genius that was Maradona. And I think Peter O'Borne, who used to be the male's political correspondent, I think, wrote on Twitter. He went, and I thought it was really good. He went, he said, I think it's greatly to this country's credit that people are remembering, by and large, Maradona, the genius, even though he cheated against England in the World Cup. Most people are still going... And I saw a Twitter poll. Which of the two goals you remember most at 86? And most people went, the brilliant goal. And I think that's to our credit as a nation that we remember that, Sammy, that the man was off the scale genius. Absolutely. And listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as Danny. I was I'm probably a bit older. I'm a bit older than Danny, but I would have been four uh, during the 86 World Cup. So I don't, yeah, I don't remember it. But obviously I know, you, you know, you see the memories and the memories... And the images, uh, uh, you know, go down in, fol- in folklore. But listen, as individuals, as human beings, we've all got our flaws. But, you know, and, and that's just the way of the world. But this guy, what he could do with football was, you know, <clears throat> out of the ordinary. I speak to my dad about it. And my, my dad was, my dad still raves about that, that 86 World Cup today. And uh, listen, listen, it, it, it's a great argument. He's, you know, is he the best ever? He, he's certainly up there, but I've grown up in a generation with with the likes of you know I, I loved as a kid I loved watching Zinedine Zidane on the TV. I thought he was a you know he's an exceptional player. As a journalist, I've been lucky enough to watch Lionel Messi uh, live, and he's he's the best player I've ever seen uh, kick a football in a stadium live. Um, but it's great conjecture. It makes for great debate. Who's who is the best? And but when you are having that that conversation, Maradona undoubtedly will be part high up in that conversation. Yeah. I mean, Chris, I I said uh, yesterday on Twitter, Napoli have won the title twice in their career, Mm. in their, in their history, Napoli, Maradona both times inspired them. Argentina have won the world cup twice. Maradona inspired one of them. I mean, frankly, Mm. that's, that says everything. And and whether you think Messi's better or Maradona or Pele, I don't think matters a row of beans. Just if you are lucky enough to watch Maradona, on the telly because I never don't think I ever saw him live. I've seen Messi like Sammy has lots of times, which is a privilege. But just to, just to watch the clips of Maradona, to watch his warm up before that UEFA Cup semi final where they've got the music on, and even done his laces up to watch yeah. him. There was something on Twitter yesterday when he's training in the peeing rain in in um, Naples. Training, it's just yeah. ludicrous how good he was. Yeah, everything, everything's so natural, isn't yeah. it? I think you only have to look at the outpouring of uh, of tributes across the football world. Look at the newspapers the last few days. Yeah. There's, there's not there's not one page on Maradona. There's half a newspaper on him. He was a global star. I mean, at that particular time, and we are a lot older than than Danny and Sammy. But at that particular time, you could go to anywhere in the world, and people would know who Diego Maradona was. And I was, you know, reading stuff in the mail, like uh, he made his Argentinian debut when he was 16. At 18, he swapped shirts with with friends Beckenbauer. He'd scored 100 goals uh, before his 19th birthday, or when he was 19, sorry. 
and you think most people would love to score 100 goals in the career. <laughs> yeah. He'd done it before he was 19. He hadn't even got started. Yeah. And sort of where he came from and the, and the poverty, you know, uh, you know, brought up in a house of 10 family members, no running water, no electricity. You know, he, he was hungry. Had it, I think, at eight, eight years old, he went on trial with Argentina's uh, juniors. And you could imagine, you know, he wasn't the biggest when he was fully grown, you know, small, frail, but it, it, he, was, it, he caught everybody's eye. And for me, I'll tell you why I think he's the greatest ever. And I never saw enough of Pelé. So, you know, but, but you think of the era which he played in. He went to Spain and mm. they, tried, they just kicked him off the park. Yeah. Uh, you know, just hatchet men. Get the, the butcher of the butcher of Bilbao yeah. literally did, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it it was you know it was ridiculous, and that's where Messi and Ronaldo have it easy these yeah. days. Maradona kept having to get back up, and and they weren't just just naughty tackles; they were criminal tackles. They were assaults, and he he was getting at ten, fifteen times a game. They couldn't stop him by conventional means. That was the only way they could stop him. So it was a test of his courage as well as his skill. But you know, an absolute. Absolute genius he was. Well, that's all we got time for this week. My thanks to Chris Sutton, to Danny Simpson and to Sammy Mockbell. And that's it from Game On. We'll be back next week and every week via Spotify, Apple and Google. Don't forget to sign up to your daily briefing from mailplus.co.uk. That's it from me, Mark Pugach. See you next week for more Game On.